This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. The NHL playoffs are set to kick off and a return to near normalcy after two years under the shadow of COVID-19. And as the postseason looms, many are wondering whether this is the year Austin Matthews or Connor McDavid will lead their teams to glory, whether the Calgary Flames will up their playoff game, or if the Lightning is posed for a three-peat. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. National Post sports writer Scott Stinson joins me to discuss why this postseason is so important to the league, what matchups to keep an eye on in the first round, and what teams could surprise fans this year. Don't forget you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, we're even on Amazon Music now. I'd love it if you'd leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So Scott, after two years of really strange playoff situations in the NHL with the 2014 play-in round bubble playoff series in Toronto and Edmonton in 2020, and the Northern Division in 2021, with no fans in the stands in Canada, we're back to a sense of normalcy for the NHL playoffs. I know this is something that Canadians look forward to every spring, myself included. What do you make of the fact that we're kind of seeing that normalcy return to the NHL for playoffs? Yeah, I think it's obviously a relief, certainly throughout the league and league offices and and on the teams themselves that you're finally getting to this point. I still feel like this season, both in the NHL and in the NBA and in leagues in Europe, is it still feels like this is the third of the pandemic seasons to an extent because there were a bunch of disruptions still and the schedule was compressed. And of course, we had the Olympic break that wasn't an Olympic break, but it sort of was a break for some teams and they were playing catch up with games. And, and so I, I think you're still seeing some of the after effects of all that schedule adjustment and the COVID lists and, and that kind of stuff. So it's not a hundred percent normal, but it's mm. like, it feels like it's the tail end of this period and, and will essentially be with any luck. The last time you have a season that has these kind of weird disruptions and then they'll get in what they hope is a relatively normal playoffs. And then, a, you know, a relatively normal off season period. And we'll finally have all this behind us. I mean, I say that obviously, knocking very much on wood that we don't sort of get into a whole nother round of disruptions next year. How important is it financially speaking to have, especially for Canadian teams, because I know in the States it was a little different last year. They had some full houses and stuff, but in Canada it was very much another bubble in a sense for these home games in the playoffs. How important is it for teams to have fans in stands for their bottom line? It's a big deal on an individual team basis. Now, I, I'd also say, Dave, the the sort of asterisk there is it depends on the team. You know, you look at a team like the Toronto Maple Leafs, of course they would rather have sellout crowds than not sellout crowds, mm-hmm. but they're also owned by this corporation and MLSE that owns the Leafs and the Raptors and Toronto FC and the Argos and two and they're owned by two multinational broadcasting and, and telecommunications conglomerates. So <laughs> it's not like it's 
one thing specifically that cost money and therefore the whole enterprise was in trouble. But in terms of the actual business of hockey, it is a tremendous difference to them and to these teams to have fans in the stands versus no fans in the stands. And if you look at a team like Carolina, for example, if they can go on a long playoff run and have four different playoff rounds where they have home playoff dates and sold out arenas, that is a a tremendous advantage to them in terms of the money the organization would make uh, versus a a year where they're not playing playoff games or they're playing playoff games without any fan revenue. So the NHL is very much more of of any of the the major sports in North America. It makes a lot of its money from gate receipts and and Gary Bettman has said it all all along throughout the pandemic. And it's as much as I want to, at various times, poke fun at Gary Bettman for things he says that are loosely based on reality. This is one that I think is quite true, that they do make a lot of their money from gate receipts and, and having that available to them in the playoffs is a big deal. One of the things that I think that kind of made an interesting mark on the season, is, as you mentioned earlier, the fact that we were supposed to have an Olympic break, but didn't turn into an Olympic break. And it allowed some teams to make up games that were canceled due to COVID outbreaks late last year. Do you feel that some teams actually, it it may have helped them not going to the Olympics? Like I think of where I am with the Edmonton Oilers and they were in kind of a bad spot early in 2022. Do you feel like the fact that they didn't have to send some of their best players overseas allowed them to regroup and kind of hit the ground running? I know there were some personnel changes in the coaching staff with the Oilers, but the fact that they didn't have to take that two weeks off allowed them to kind of coalesce more as a group. I think that's fair. I, the, the reality is we'll never know what the counterfactual is, right? Like mm-hmm. if the Olympics had happened and Canada had met Germany in a gold medal game and <laughs> Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl got all this like incredible experience of being leaders of these successful teams in a way that they haven't, you know, in their NHL careers because of their lack of playoff success, then we'd be saying, wow, what a great, you know, example it was for them. These guys have now had this like, you know, high level leadership experience, fate of their countries behind them and all that stuff. So they didn't have that opportunity. But in the absence of that, they were able to get a bit of downtime and get some more time playing together. And and as you say, there was a coach change in there. So so maybe that was part of it too. Probably was. But yeah, it's given them an advantage. I think the same thing is obviously true where I am in Toronto, where Austin Matthews would have been expected to be part of an American team. And if they did or did not play well in the Olympics, it would have been more miles on him. And instead, the Leafs have been kind of like preparing for playoff mode for quite some time now. And he's been able to take a few games off. Obviously, he scored 60 goals, so he's had this great season himself. So as much as the NHL's return to the Olympics was anticipated and looked forward to by a lot of people, the fact that they didn't end up going was probably a useful reset in terms of the league's business and the teams getting themselves organized, especially after the chaos, as you touched on, the all the COVID cancellations and stuff at the end of 2021. One thing that I've been trying to wrap my head around this year, and I know a lot of people were surprised to see the Montreal Canadiens make the Stanley Cup final last year, and it was a pretty great playoff run to watch for hockey fans. But the fact that they went from the Stanley Cup finals to last place in the league this year, I'm just wondering if you can touch on a little bit of of what happened with that club. And also, I mean, the fact that we have, you know, out of seven Canadian teams, we only have three that have wound up in the postseason, which is par for the course in some years, but we always want to see, I guess, more Canadian team representation in the postseason. The the fact that we're kind of, 
it's just these Edmonton, Calgary, Toronto who have managed to to get there. Yeah. So in the Canadian specifically, I think what we've seen is they weren't nearly as good last year as they ended up being in the playoffs. We knew going into the playoffs because we had that weird COVID related realignment where it was an all Canadian division. They were the fourth best team amongst the Canadian teams. And then they pulled the first round upset on the Maple Leafs, who have been a team that has been able to fall victim to <laughs> first round upsets, even with their their current, you know, relatively high powered lineup. So, you know, they pulled the upset on the Maple Leafs, having been down in that series, and then it wasn't as much of a surprise, I don't think, to see them get through the second round of that once they were on a roll. And then you know, it's it's playoff hockey. Weird stuff can happen, and, and they kept pulling the upsets right up until they weren't in the final. So I think it was a case of they weren't nearly as good as, as the results ended up being. They kind of papered over the cracks somewhat. I mean, I think people were, even in Montreal, there was a lot of speculation once they went down to the Leafs in that first round that Mark Bergeron would get fired and, and there might be a coaching change and, and all this stuff. And, and then they went on this crazy run and all that got put to the side. And then this season... Mark Bergevin got fired and there was a coaching change and, and it was like, oh yeah, this was probably where it was always headed. And then weird hockey stuff happened. So I think that was the explanation with the Canadians. They were never really that good. And it kind of all caught up to them this season. Of course, they also had the extended absence of Carey Price, which is sort of a whole other topic. And then in terms of the wider Canadian picture, it sounds like oversimplifying it, but look, sometimes stuff just happens with hockey. Mm-hmm. I think Winnipeg was expected to be a better team than they were. The results didn't really break their way. They're out of the playoffs. Vancouver was actually maybe a little better than people expected them to be, but because of the way the NHL works where you can get a point here and there, you know, and and if you avoid enough regulation losses, and and that kind of happened with other teams in the West, you know, the Dallas Stars, I don't think we're necessarily significantly better than Vancouver Canucks, but they acquired enough points over the course of the season that they ended up, you know, getting into that final playoff spot in the West that the Canucks were not able to do. So I would imagine that, that a lot of Vancouver fans would at least feel like, well, it could have been worse. And, and there's, they were sort of able to get themselves on a path back to respectability and we'll see what they can do from here. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. You do mention the fact that the Canucks were kind of up against it in in terms of, you know, getting the right amount of points, fewer overtime wins or fewer overtime losses. Mm -hmm. One thing I was wondering looking at the standings just last night is that you look in the East and you have a definite break between the top eight teams and then the rest of the teams in the Eastern Conference in the NHL. It's kind of, it was kind of striking. You have these top eight playoff teams who have, I think all of them have a hundred points or more. And then you look at the next best team in the East at 82 points. And then you look at the West and it's just this big crush of teams trying to get close anyway. Yeah. You know, Dallas ultimately has 96 points, Vegas, 92 points, Vancouver, 89. It seems a lot closer. Is that indicative of the fact that the Western conference is a more competitive 
conference or that the teams in the East are just that much more dominant against their opponents in the Eastern Conference? It's a weird thing in the East because the eight playoff teams have essentially been known for two months. I mean, it was quite some time ago that it was clear that there was, as you say, the shelf where it just everybody fell off. And I think that's just kind of a weird happenstance of the way the schedule and then and the standing shook out this year. Uh, like if you look at the team, we mentioned Montreal, the New York Islanders had a really unexpectedly bad year, I would say. And then everybody else down there, you know, Detroit, Buffalo, Ottawa, New Jersey, Philadelphia, none of those teams were really expected to be strong playoff contenders. I, I would suspect some people in Buffalo and Ottawa might disagree with that and say, <laughs> no, this is the time where they have a young team. They should be doing stuff and they're still not doing it. So I think it's just an example of in the East, you have a lot of good and established teams, whether it's Tampa, Boston, Florida, the Rangers, Washington, but like these are just teams that have been around for a while and have got veterans that are kind of used to doing it. And then you got a bunch of young guys. I think in the West, it's just kind of what happens in the NHL where you have, aside from some really strong top end teams and like Colorado and, and Calgary has been very good this year too. You just have kind of a mushy group that's like good, but maybe not awesome, but we'll see what happens in the playoffs because Obviously, you've had you know a team like St. Louis that won the cup not that long ago and and basically just got hot at the right time and rolled a hot goalie and ended up winning it all. So I think in the West you you're seeing what was more what we're kind of used to in the NHL, which is that you can have a couple of good teams at the top of the conference, but usually the rest all below that is is much more closely uh, bunched. And certainly that was the case in the West this year. Earlier, you mentioned Austin Matthews having a career season, 60 goals. Out West, we have Connor McDavid leading the league in points again in the discussion for the Hart Trophy. Heading into the playoffs, there's the talk that, okay, well, they have to get further in the playoffs soon, or you know they may get disillusioned, may want to go elsewhere to try and win a Stanley Cup. What do you expect to see from these two generational players when it comes to the playoffs? Are they at the points in their careers where we may see, you know, a deep playoff run driven by these two stars. I mean, we should. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I have to say, it's fascinating that it really does feel like it's the same story with both of them, which is that, look, everybody knows Conrad David is an incredibly gifted hockey player, and everybody knows Austin Matthews is an incredibly gifted hockey player. And they've proven it repeatedly since they were teenagers and, and have just, in terms of both guys being number one overall picks, They've totally lived up to the hype. They've been excellent. The one thing on their resume is they have not been able to get their teams you know, into any sort of sustained playoff success. Matthews in particular hasn't won a series. So it is a thing where the expectation is that for them to become the greats that everybody expects them to be, you have to have playoff success. And yet at the same time, am I super confident that either of them are going to necessarily win a round of the playoffs this year? I, not really. Like, I, I'm not <laughs> saying they won't. Yeah. But I also, it's hockey, you know, and 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 the Leafs, you look at the Leafs, they're likely to play Tampa Bay. Hmm. So the team that won the last two Stanley Cups, they're, they're going to be their first round matchup. That seems like probably a problem. And if it's not Tampa, it might be Boston, which is as every Leafs fan would tell you is like probably the nightmare scenario, just from a historically torturing them in the playoffs basis. So 
you know, that's a problem. Edmonton, as it stands out, would be matched up against the Los Angeles Kings. The Kings are not the same Kings of the Daryl Sutter winning the Stanley Cup years, but they're obviously a franchise that has been there, done that. They've got some players still on that group that have won Stanley Cups. And so, <laughs> you know, I it's, it's, it's ridiculous to sort of have your playoff analysis being, I don't know, but that's <laughs> kind of where we're at. You know, the Oilers could have goaltender problems come up and smack them in the face. The Leafs very much could have goaltender problems come up and smack them in the face. And then if they lose in the first round, either of those teams, much of the analysis will be like, why can't these guys get it done? Does Connor McDavid need to leave Edmonton? Is Austin Matthews going to bolt for Arizona the first chance he gets? And as much as part of your brain wants to go, well, that's ridiculous. Like, it's not their fault. You can't really get away from the fact that those questions will be asked and will be tough to answer. And so, yeah, it's each guy, I think, in each team really has to, it's kind of like put up or shut up time for them. And yet the very nature of NHL playoff hockey is that it cannot be their fault at all. And their teams might not get out of the first round yet again. Lost in all that discussion, there's a you know hundred other potential stories to talk about regarding these NHL playoffs. What's one bit of this going into the playoffs that you think that people maybe haven't been paying close attention to? Is it the season that Calgary had? Is it the Colorado Avalanche like doing so well in the West yet again, and perhaps maybe they fall victim to another first round exit like they have in the past? Is it the Florida Panthers? Like, What do you feel that people haven't been paying close enough attention to with the NHL this year? From a Canadian fan perspective, if somebody's not paid a lot of attention to the season, they would probably be surprised to discover that that in the East, anyway, Carolina and Florida have been like the two best teams for quite some time in terms of just stacking up wins after wins after wins. And I mean, it's the Carolina Hurricanes and the Florida Panthers, which are two of the teams in terms of a franchise that have always kind of seemed like tenuous in terms of their survival and ownership changes and small crowds and various other adjectives that a Canadian hockey fan would be like, why do they even have a team there? <laughs> Obviously the hurricanes have had playoff success. They've in more recently kind of been embraced again in terms of a underdog story and the whole bunch of jerks thing and getting yelled at by Don Cherry and that kind of stuff. So it's not like they're completely out of the blue, but they're both two teams that have been just really solid. And I think a lot of Canadians, because we have guys like McDavid and Matthews and Calgary has been very good all year, as you mentioned, just kind of assume that once the playoffs run around, roll around, it's going to be these star laden teams that we're all kind of familiar with that are going to be driving the conversation. But there's a couple there that, that aren't necessarily as well known and aren't necessarily the teams that come to mind in terms of superstars who, who have guys who've been doing very well and, and are well coached and all those hockey cliches that that could make some noise. So I, I think it's those two teams in the East and you mentioned Colorado. I mean, they've been so good. Obviously they are a star laden team. Everybody knows Nathan McKinnon. They've got all sorts of other guys, of course, Kale McCarr and, and so on and so forth. But they're just a buzzsaw. And and that's been, to me, that's been one funny thing about this NHL season, partly because it, it was so long because of that Olympic quote-unquote break. But it just feels like some of these teams have established long ago that they were terrifying and going to be a nightmare to play in the playoffs. And we're only just now kind of getting around finally to the point where we're going to see them in playoff rounds and, and see if they can kind of back up the 
impressiveness that they've piled up over the course of the last several months. Looking at the first round of the playoffs, which matchup from the East and which matchup from the West do you think has the potential to kind of be the most exciting, maybe a six game, seven game battle or, you know, high scoring, anything along those lines? I think that Tampa Toronto is going to be the one on the East that the most eyeballs are paying attention to. We sort of touched on some of it already, but like to have a Toronto team that just desperately feels like they need to win a playoff round for the first time since Jesus was a baby uh, (laughs) to get out of the first round is just so important for that grouping. And yet they're playing Tampa, which is, as I said, was the two-time defending Stanley Cup champion. So like, it feels like Toronto desperately needs to win what should be a conference finals kind of matchup, but it's it's hitting them in the first round because of the NHL's dumb playoff scheduling rules. And then in the West, I would touch on something we said already, going back to Edmonton, Los Angeles, where I think that the Oilers, who also need that first round playoff hump to get over, is a big deal and they're matched up against a not a team as recently accomplished as Tampa in the Los Angeles Kings but they're a team that has been there done that and they can probably give them all that they can handle so I I think those are the two teams where in terms of a narrative one team is gonna have all the pressure on them and the other team is not and it'll be interesting to see how it evolves from there all right well I know I'm as excited as many hockey fans are around the country. Can't wait for the playoffs to start. Scott, always a pleasure to talk hockey. Okay, thanks, Dave. Have a good one. 10-3 is produced by Sean Knox. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Scott Stinson. More from him at nationalpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.